One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, over there in Denver, Colorado, the great round ball ramble man himself, Corbin Ford. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I always have to talk hoops, so we are, we are, we are good over here. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, you're also cozy. You got the the beanie tonight, so yeah. Which yeah. is for purposes. I'm hoping the Laker energy rubs off because I mean we need it, right? And mm. also, it is cold out here in Colorado, and I left my heater in my bedroom, so it's also like an aesthetic, but also you know we've got a little haircut, so it's good. There you go. It's supposed to snow here in East Tennessee next Tuesday. We're supposed oh, to first time this year. Um, oh, I'm kind real, of excited. Real quick, I was in Tennessee about three weeks ago. Mm. Cookout for the first time. So Cookout's say. dangerous because you just the rest of your day is canceled. It, one of the most amazing things to me is when I see people at the drive-thru at Cookout um, and they go on with their day at lunch. Like, Ow. you just go on with your work day. There are some I'll foods that I just I don't understand. Like, that's putting you to sleep. It's nap time. The day's over. I, I'm going to sleep and I'm not going back to work if I'm getting Cookout for lunch. It's done. For real. I agree. Also here, a first-timer, Jackson Lloyd, medium, great NBA writer, a uh, guy I followed for the last couple years here uh, on whatever we want to call NBA Twitter uh, these days. But Jackson, uh, one of my favorites uh, up and coming, so make sure you're reading Jackson if you are not already doing so on medium and everywhere else. Jackson, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Even better now that I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are happy to have you, sir, because we have a lot of uh, a lot of NBA stuff to talk about. We, we need to start here because ever since the Lakers won uh, the NBA Cup here, Corbin, we're going to start with uh, your Los Angeles Lakers outside of a nice victory. Uh, LeBron turning about the clock here against the Clippers a few nights ago. It's been pretty rough uh, for the Lakers. Um, 
under 500 flirting with 500 we'll see where they're at uh, come the end of january here but what plagues the lakers as someone who is tuned into every game if you had to uh, put your finger on what the the biggest issue plaguing this lakers team right now what is it i mean it's a mix of things i, I know if you're you know coach darvin ham and even lebron james a little bit you want to blame injuries and i get that but like the majority of the players that really impact this team, and that's really LeBron James and Anthony Davis, have been surprisingly helped this year. Um, and you've even gotten good, good, I would say a good number of games from Austin Reeves as well. So I feel like it's really just the personnel not quite working out. Hmm. Um, I think, I mean, obviously the whole Laker, what, LeBron era, it's been horrible in terms of shooting. Like, that, that's that's not been great. Even when they won the championship in 2020 was more like, you know, bully ball and a hot streak from three in the bubble during the playoffs, rather collectively, remember um, Anthony Davis, that really did it. But the lack of shooting has been an issue, and it still is. I mean, the Lakers are I think the only team that makes less threes or shoots a worse percentage is the Pistons. Like one of the, like, they're just not a good shooting team. Um, mm. And so that's an issue. Um, and also the personnel is just not really a great fit. Like, yes, in theory, you know, having a guy like Cam Reddish, having a guy, of course, like Jared, Jared Vanderbilt alongside LeBron, AD, you know, you have playmakers of Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. Like, you can mix and match. You have Christian Wood for size and, you know, um, Jackson Hayes as well. But, like, they don't really work together. Like, Jackson Hayes is a foul machine kind of, and I mean, that's what he is. And then um, he's not bringing you much offensively outside of lobs. Christian Wood's been good, but for reasons that are curious, He's been on the bench off and on. That's another thing. Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, great. But you have them as point of attack defenders on the other end. That, they're lunch meat. That's not their role, right? And you don't need all of their offensive contributions. We have a LeBron there. At the same time, you can't just have them both on the bench and just have LeBron rolling for it because he's not 29 anymore. And he can't just totally run the show like that. So, you know, and then Jared Vanderbilt and Cam Reddish, great defenders. Um, total zeros offensively. I think Jared Vanderbilt's like seven of... 25 from three and cam rush is shooting under 30 percent from three like defense is like please take the shot so like those are kind of the personnel issues then you add to that darvin ham who i think is a great motivational guy i think he says all the right things i love hearing him speak like he fires me up. i'm like yeah i can do this but like if if it was like you know giving you actual game plans on how we're gonna do it I, I, I don't think he's that guy. Like he's more of the motivational pump up speaker than the actual execution. This is how we do it because between some of his rotations, some of his defensive um, and offensive schemes, like what are we doing? And I've seen several, you know, instances on Twitter where people have pointed out that LeBron and AD kind of call audible. Say, like, now nah, we're going to do it this way. And it works. And Darvin Ham hands in his pockets. Like, all right, great work. You know? So it's just, it's a few things, but I would say it's just, they need a shake up. And I, I really was hoping that they wouldn't, I was a big fan of the Lakers have continuity this year after having not had continuity love with, over the last four years of LeBron era. Like every year there's been some either subtle or seismic shift in personnel. But in this case, I just think like it was one thing to say, okay, we're not as good as the Nuggets. It's another thing to say we're not as good as half the teams in the NBA, you know? And I'm not saying Lakers are that bad, but they're definitely not like among the best. Do you agree with that assessment, Jackson? So it's been a weird season for the Lakers because when I watched them in the IST, I was just self-confirming, great call, Jackson. You hit it on the <laughs> head again. The Lakers are solid enough offensively with the two guards, D'Lo and Reeves, and then they had obviously the two stars, LeBron and AD. And 
they were they were a problem for the Indiana Pacers and the IST with the money on the line. But over the past three or four weeks, however long it's been, they've they've taken a step back defensively. But even bigger than that, Corbin hit it on the head is the offense. And to his point, Cam Reddish, uh, he's been having a a pretty decent season for what he is. He's one of the better wing forward perimeter defenders in the league. I truly think he's a great defender. But every time I check his shooting splits on the season, you know, in the games, teams don't guard him as much as you'd think. And whenever he's open, it's like, oh, no, Cam Reddish is open. And then it's like, oh, it's Cam Reddish. We can probably, you know, get by on that. Uh, He's been around 32, 30 percent on the year from three. And uh, even to that, I feel like a lot of the times if it's an above the break three or if he drives a closeout, you can live with that as a defense because he's not exactly a poised and under control driver. And me personally, I think that the Lakers have missed when Russell had the, I think it was a tailbone injury against the Timberwolves. I do think that they missed him uh, to some extent because they're so short on ball handling, especially with trying to implement Jared Vanderbilt again. They keep flip-flopping Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. Um, I'm a big Torian Prince fan, excuse me, but there's only so much that that type of player is going to do, especially because the shot diet that he is getting, catch and shoot threes, a lot of them in transition, it's going to be kind of a streakier output than someone who has the ball more or gets a lot of, um, like, they're capable of shooting movement threes, something like that. It's also got to be kind of demoralizing if you're a Laker fan in terms of just, like, 80s been healthy all year and 80s playing yeah. tremendous basketball, and it just doesn't matter this year. To this point, it just hasn't been a difference maker just because of uh, the the reasons that uh, you guys have laid out. I wonder, too, Tom Ziller wrote a really good piece uh, in his Substack a few days ago about the Lakers and where they're at and uh, trying to figure out where their problems lie. And one of the things that he pointed out was just that, like, hey, you can get a like Corbin. This is something you talked about at the top of the show here with the Lakers is that like. They've never been a dominant offensive team in the LeBron 80 era. Like we've never seen this hyper efficient top five uh, efficiency offense in Los Angeles with this group, but they still want a title uh, playing that way. They were still a team that uh, when you had the number one defense, which they had in the bubble, that goes a long way when you're able to play bully ball, kind of like Michigan and the way that Michigan just won a national title uh, this week. When you have those kind of dudes and you can play that kind of style, hey, you might just be okay. The problem is the defense isn't the same anymore the defense is not number one in the nba so not only do you have one of the worst offenses in the nba you also have a good defense you don't have a elite defense and i think that's like an under talked about part of this is that unfortunately for the lakers their margin for air and margin i guess for slippage on defense was very thin because we knew coming into the year that with the personnel they brought in like the offense was not going to be a top 10 offense in this league especially mm-hmm. not from from deep and it just I think that is something that has to get cleaned up if they're going to jump back into the contendership status is like we need to see like a two month stretch where they're the number one defensive team in basketball. But I don't know if they they have it right now. Well, yeah, a lot of that, again, personnel has changed, right? Mm. Back then you had Alex Caruso, you had Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You know, you had a younger LeBron James. You had a younger mm. Anthony Davis, you know, and, and I think you had JaVale McGee on the back line, you know, and Dwight Howard as well. And yeah. All those guys are gone. LeBron's older. And AD, you know, he's also older, but still competent. But now, you know, in place of them outside of, you know, 
um, Cam Radish and Jared Vanderbilt, who are more offensive liabilities than the guys I mentioned for that 2020 championship team. So you have to really manage their minutes more differently. You're playing guys who defensively are not up to that level. Mm. Like, I think Austin Reeves de- de- um, competes. I think Daniel Russell competes. They're not bad defenders because they're just lazy, lackadaisical, not focused. Just physically and, and, and well, yeah, physically they don't have the tools. You know what I mean? And they're not great there. Um, and then if you look at other guys who are mixing match around them, like Rui Hachimura can be, you know, when he's healthy, you know, he can be somewhat competent, but he's not a great guy there. And you kind of go up and down the rest of the roster and you got defenders who are adequate, you know, and that's a lot for Anthony Davis to clean up. LeBron James, especially laterally is, is shot there. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, it's a marvel to see him do the things he's able to do at his age. And I love that. Like hearing that and all the things that's great. But like when you see him defensively sometimes, man, like, yeah, he's yeah. Like it's definitely the mileage just caught up. Like, in general and so yeah defensively you're right like they go from you know one of the top teams when engaged to middle of the pack when engaged you know and if they're not engaged to look out i mean that's just a dangerous place for this team to be in um just right there at the play in i mean jackson i think another part of it I wonder, you know, sometimes it's just like you want to do over for both sides. Sometimes it's just like something just doesn't work out in the NBA on both sides. You're like immediately there's just buyer's remorse. Dennis Schroeder going to Toronto. Clearly a lot of buyer's remorse there. He thought it was going to be his team and get an opportunity to start and kind of carry this Toronto Raptors team with several all-stars around him and uh, see what he could do on that front. Instead, that's already that ship's <laughs> sailed. You have Emmanuel quickly who's passed him and it's now going to be quickly running the show post OG and Anobi trade. And then you have Gabe Vincent, who's given you nothing. And that was something that we were like, oh, that's a fun Lakers signing. Like, because they're a defense first team and he had a great year with Miami and like, hey, he got paid good for him, but he hasn't played and he hasn't been a difference maker. He obviously, uh, that's not been money well spent. Um, You lose Caruso two years ago. Obviously, that's they've never been able to replace him. I think the Gabe Vincent swing and a miss and Schroeder not just re- them not re-signing Schroeder, I think also could have cleared up a lot of these these issues because I think they could have re- they can still really use somebody like Dennis Schroeder, especially what we saw in the playoffs last year, right? I agree. Yeah, to oh. your oh, I'm sorry, Corbin. No, I cut you off. Please, Jackson. <laughs> uh to your point, uh I think the Lakers miss a player like Corbin said, Reeves and D'Lo, they can play within a team context. Like I think that D'Lo, if he has a strength as a defender, it's some um, like perception plays where he's a step ahead of the offensive player. He reads it. He'll get some uh, steals. He has good hands. However, they really miss the guy, which this was a, a positive the other night against the Clippers is how well they defended James Harden on pick and mm-hmm. rolls. They defended uh, Kawhi Leonard. Well, but an issue for them, in my opinion, is regardless of whether Russell and Reeves are tasked with defending smaller, quicker players or bigger, broader, stronger players, in both aspects, they're going to be coming up short in that. And I think that I think that I can buy into this Lakers roster because I like a lot of their players, but it just seems like they're a roster. I, w- I wouldn't want to say turmoil, but they are going to overhaul some things on the fly. It'll be an interesting kind of January, February season for them. I was looking at cleaning the glass for December 12th to now. I think that was the first game after the IST. And offensively, what really surprised me is they're 28th in the league in offensive rebounding percentage. And then uh, free throw attempt rate, they're 20. I'm sorry, I misread that. Let me 29th in offensive rebounding, 23rd in free throw attempt rate. And I don't want to 
just pile on numbers and numbers and numbers that support my argument. But I was thinking about it contextually. And my thinking is that with the lack of shooting, the lack of healthy ball handling, as we talked about, D'Lo missed some time and they've been trying to implement Vanderbilt uh, back in that like four or five rotation spot. I think that teams can load up on the ball, get in the driving gaps. And if you're taking a lot of contested or not necessarily contested shots, but if you're taking the shots the defense wants you to take, AKA not at the rim, not open looks where the defense has to rotate over, they're not going to foul you as much and you're not going to get as many defensive or excuse me, offensive rebounds. And it's going to lead to more defensive rebounds, transition opportunities for the opponent. And uh, basically it's interconnected. And that's why we have this period of basketball from the Lakers. Can we also just agree that they need like the Levine stuff, Corbin, you and I have talked about this a lot and uh, just like what they actually need to do at the deadline. Cause clearly they're going to do something like they're, they're going to do something. They're going to add, I think they have to double down on the defense. Like, I think they have to not worry about getting middle of the road offense. Cause I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if there's a, a couple of trades that's going to vault them into the top 10 in offensive efficiency. Um, at this point in the year, what I would do is probably double down. Like, I don't know if that means bringing Caruso back and Schroeder back, just get as many defense first guys around AD and LeBron and see what happens because you've seen that kind of uh thing succeed and you've seen just what anthony davis is healthy this year which is still an elite mvp type player and then we'll see what lebron looks like come playoff time and uh when he gets up for it but i i think that's where my head's more at is like you just need to add defensive uh personnel on the on the wing and at the guard spot and not worry about the levines the world and trying to get that jump start that offense because i just I don't think you're ever going to get enough juice on that front to make that a worthwhile investment because of what you would lose defensively and that just being what's won you a title with this core. No, I agree. It's one of those things like way to start off. I'm already depressed. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, it's, I'm sorry. It's, fine. It's, it's not the Golden State You've won a title. And also you're not in a situation just to be clear where I'm dealing on a day-to-day basis of the DeJounte Murray being uh, readily available for my Atlanta Hawks. Like, the story coming out that the Spurs are a legis- are a legitimate trade option after getting multiple picks and us just paying DeJounte Murray for the Spurs and then to trade back DeJounte Murray to the Spurs for 75 cents in the dollar, that <laughs> it ruined my entire morning. Like the Atlanta Sports Guys group chat has been just uh, awful all week long of uh, just John Collins for nothing, DeJounte Murray for nothing, just Everything is terrible. And it was funny when you were uh, describing uh, D'Lo's defensive uh, ability, Jackson, a few minutes ago. I was like, is he talking about Trey Young or D'Lo? Because that's the only thing I can say about Trey. He's got good hands sometimes. And he uh, the the times Trey will make a play on defense is when he's just he's able to one step ahead one time and he'll make a nice little steal uh, every couple to play, every couple games. But um, yeah, I don't know, Corbin. It, it could be worse. I'll just that that's what I'm trying to say here. You could that, be the uh, Hawks right now. I, I appreciate that context. Thank you for that. Yeah. You could have DeJounte Murray. I don't know what we want back. I don't want Cam Reddish back, even though I mean uh, can I interest you in a Cam Reddish Rui Hachimura for Jalen Johnson? I'm just kidding. No, Jalen, hold on. I, that, you're, that's you're, literally the I, modern I, I, Amari Stoudemire is going nowhere. Jalen wow. Johnson is so much fun. Love Jalen Johnson that's in my cool. life. I mean, he's got, there is so much young Amari Stoudemire in this dude. And if Amari came in the league right now, I just, Jalen can I fly, mean, he's man. He's already better defensively than anything that I've seen from Amari. Yeah. 
But hey, I'll, I'll take it. Like that'd be fun. Like a couple years of Trey and Jalen. I, I, it's not winning a title, but it could be really fun. I don't know. Uh, but this is not a Hawks podcast. No sadness here. Uh, well, this could uh, help your mood here a little bit, Corbin. Let's get it. In terms of like the injury sucks, but it could be worse. You could be the Memphis Grizzlies this year where they already had a steep road of getting back into the playoff chase, the real contention chase. John Morant comes back. He's fun. Um, they're starting to get a little bit healthy. And then John Morant's in a sling. And then it's announced that John Morant is lost for the season. What does this mean to you, uh, Corbin, in terms of what the rest of this Grizzlies season looks like and how you would go about it if you're running the Grizzlies right now? At this point, let's see what we can get for guys like Zaire Williams. You know, let's see what we can look at for guys like Jake Levy. Like, I'm not saying in a bad way. The, the Grizzlies already had an issue at their wing position regardless. Like, they already had an issue there regardless since, you know, just just at their three. So I feel like since Dylan Brooks, I guess. I mean, Dylan Brooks wasn't a perfect fit, but, like, they really miss him in general. Getting John Moran back was great. There was still issue that had to be worked out, right? And the team was still in a precarious position in the West where they had to climb a lot. Like, they're not going to bottom out low enough to be where the Spurs are, you know, low enough to be in that area. They're not going to be in the cellar of the West, but they're obviously clearly not good enough to really compete for the upper, you know, they're not making a play for the six seed, right? Like at best, they're probably 10, nine and 10 at best. If everything worked out, obviously, and unfortunately that did not happen. So I feel like the Grizz at this point, like be active in the trade market. See if you can shore up some pieces around your team. So when John Morant comes back next season, he's come back to a better fit roster around him. You already know that you're not moving Ja. You already know how you feel about Desmond Bain. You already know how you feel about Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, you get Steven Adams next year back. You get Brandon Clark possibly this year, but more than likely next year. And at this point, might as well just have him come back next year, right? And see if you can take some of your picks and some of the younger players that you're not sure about or are sure about and want to reap some value for them to get better fitting pieces around this team so you can properly contend next year when Ja comes back healthy. That's what I would do because right now, like, it is a lost season for Memphis, and it's unfortunate, but those happen, right? Like the 2020 um, Golden State Warriors. I mean, you could look at the 2022 Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, there's there's teams that are just it's lost seasons. You just gotta you just gotta eat that. And I feel like the Grizzlies are in a position where they they have to take that, but they can also reevaluate this team and make more aggressive moves, knowing that they're building for next season and not this season, but as a possible contender. And now, like, oh, you know, we're just trying to get back in the playoffs. What do you think, Jackson? So this season, I recall before it that I thought the Grizzlies would be stabilized until Morant came back. And despite Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. playing very well, in my opinion, I think Jackson Jr. has a really good kind of left-handed push shot now, drive with his left hand and finish. And then obviously Desmond Bain is just ascending each and every season. What I underestimated is once the Kennard and Smart injuries hit, that puts so much emphasis on all of these younger players that have been. I'm not going to come on here and tell you tell you guys that they're misses uh, in the NBA draft because I don't have that kind of refinement, like firm view on them that maybe a Memphis Grizzlies fan does. Uh, however, I will say Vince Williams Jr. has been a bright spot for them, but they got guys like Jake Laravia, John Conchar, who's supposedly a trade candidate. He was actually a good find undrafted, but this is just a weird kind of mismatch of injured players like Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. You got a vet like Derek Rose, who I think he has a hamstring injury. The last I checked, I might be wrong on that. Um, 
think, but you go right. six and three with Ja in the games he played. I think they were seven and four overall since he made his debut, and then he got the injury. And when I saw that news, that was such a gut punch because I really liked what they had kind of retooled around Morant. And yes, I think a perception of the Grizzlies is that they were always a one-man show. I didn't like that kind of viewpoint. And they did lose Dylan Brooks, and it's a roster that's been in flux. But I really wanted to see Morant, Smart, Bain, Kennard, all these really solid, great perimeter players playing together. I'm a believer that you need to have as much ball handling and shooting as possible. And if you have guys who can shoot, be closeouts, uh, ideally pair two or three of them together, you can get some really beautiful stuff because as we see around the league, uh, maybe you can have too much ball handling if it doesn't click with certain lineups and builds. But you don't want to play with having too little shooting, too little ball handling. And while I think the Grizzlies had the right idea trading for Marcus Smart, getting in on that, I think he's going to be a really good fit with Morant and JJJ and Desmond Bain moving forward. Um, like Corbin said, just not their years. Sometimes you have that season from hell and you kind of have to wash your hands of it, assess the situation and kind of uh, gauge the value of everything around you in February moving forward. I also wonder, Corbin, if you look at it, I mean, we know Jaron Jackson, he's made the leap, obviously a great defensive player and really broke out last year in this regard. The thing that I worry most, if you, I wonder if the, if you're a Memphis Grizzly fan, you worry most about, like, I don't know how many just great injury-free years you're going to get out of Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, very injury-prone early on in his career. Uh, we know how this goes with seven-footers, uh, with the kind of skill set that Jaron Jackson has. And I I don't know. It just That's what stinks about these lost seasons, uh, when you have John Moran in his prime, when you have Desmond Bain uh, playing the way that he is, when you make a big swing for a Marcus Smart, and you have Jaron Jackson playing at the level that he's playing at. I just you don't know how many bites of the apple you're going to get with this group and to lose now the whole season just really being down the drain and Jaron being healthy you're like man okay we'll get jaw back next year but like am I sure that Jaron Jackson is going to be able to go and be as injury free as he's been to this point like are are, are we sure the stars are going to align where all of our main core guys are going to be healthy at the same time that's just necessary for a deep playoff run and getting to where you want to be. I don't know. They're just, it just sucks if you're a Grizzlies fan because you really wanted to see what this group looked like healthy. And you look at the West this year. I mean, the Nuggets, I think are still, I mean, probably the favorites right now in the West, I would say, but it's pretty wide open. Like the Timberwolves are looking at the one seed and we haven't seen a deep uh, Timberwolves run yet. And we'll see what they look like. Like if the Wolves get the oh Suns in round one, I don't know. I mean, a healthy Suns versus Timberwolves? I, I, I would hate that as a Timberwolves fan because I yeah. think the Suns would beat the Timberwolves. I think so, too. That's what I I'm saying. Like, the West is open. Though. I think it would be tough. I'm going to say it. And I'm, I'm saying this to someone who, like, lived in Arizona up until this past summer. But, like, the Suns' defense is shaky. Mm-hmm. Their continuity among their three stars and their role players is almost non-existent, given the amount of time they've played together. Mm-hmm. You know? And also, I mean, Kevin Durant has slipped defensively. Bradley Beal's not a good defender. And Devin Booker is like okay there, but like an engage Anthony Edwards come playoff time, that's a beast. Now, yeah, you could say the Suns could overwhelm, you know, the Wolves of all three of their sides playing at peak, and that's true. But I don't know. I definitely wouldn't be one. I definitely say it goes at least six games. 
You know, like I'm definitely not one to give the Suns. I don't see any reason to give the Suns benefit of the doubt. They haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Let me give benefit of the doubt. They're right here with the Lakers in the middle of the West, you know, and the and the Wolves are the number one seed. And I think at this point they're there because they've shown a body of work that yes, they're good. Their crunch time execution has been not great. Um, but neither has Phoenix's. So I don't know. I guess I'm pushing back just a little bit because I'm with y'all both. Like I think Phoenix would beat them, but I, I don't know if it's a given at all. No. Oh, I just no, think the, the broader point here is that it's open. Like, you can look at a lot of these matchups and you're like, man, I could see either of these going. Like, I'm not sure. Like, uh, let me pull up the standings right now based on who is where um, in the West. So, right now, it'd be Wolves, Rockets, but that the Rockets get the Suns in the plan. I would pick up the, the Suns. So, you're looking at probably Wolves, Suns, Thunder, Mavs, like Luka versus the first real, like this super young OKC team. You want Kyrie and Luca in that first round series? I could see absolutely Luca and the Mavericks getting out of that uh, series against the Thunder. I still am a believer in what the Thunder are building long term, but do I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs? No, I don't. Young teams don't, generally speaking. Um, Nuggets, Pelicans. It's going to be, I mean, I would take the Nuggets. That's probably the safest bet of anyone in the first, but Zion, who knows what Zion looks like in his first playoff series and a healthy Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. They're a deep team um that's gonna be some that's gonna be a little bit of a problem for uh denver and then clippers kings like i'd be pretty surprised if uh the kings beat the clippers uh if both are healthy going into that series but look kings they're fun and uh even though i don't know what's going on with harrison barnes and where he'll end up and what the kings i think are doing. they'll make a trade at the deadline Not back to golden state say that again back to golden state for Harrison Barnes, where do you think he goes if you think he's oh, moved to the deadline? I have no idea. I'm not good at building trades or CBA ramifications, but just the reporting around the Kings, it seems like it seems like they really want to do something with Kevin Hoyter, uh, Harrison Barnes, and maybe Davion Mitchell, whatever kind of picks they can uh, trade in the near future. I think that they're gonna. I think that they need to add some size at the three and four. I just look at the impact. Um, like not to draw parallels between teams with European bigs, but the impact that Aaron Gordon had on the Nuggets, mm. I think that if Kings got a player cut from a similar cloth, who was a better defensive player than Harrison Barnes, because he's pretty slow fitted, slow footed now. Obviously, the athleticism that we saw at North Carolina is uh, the distant past. I don't know. I'm not great at building trades, but. I don't want to count out the Kings. I don't want to count out any team in that upper tier in the West because it's going to be all about matchups, health, timing, and everyone hates this, but luck too. I mean, if two even teams play, one of them is going to lose, even if they're even. <laughs> I That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Corbin. Yes. How many All-Stars are in Toronto right now? Because I've seen different takes on this. I've seen different, like... Okay, is it and let's throw OG on here by the way. Pre-trade. We're going to throw OG back into this group. Do they have three all-stars on this team? Can you have three all-stars when you're just you're having the kind of year the Raptors are having? I I don't know. Scotty's well, the I'm, only I'm, one I'm certain about. But I'm what what say you, sir? I'm going to make it easy for you. No, you can't. You have one. You got <laughs> Scotty. You're happy to have that. And there we are. You know, what I mean? like I wouldn't say the Dallas Mavericks have too. Like Kyrie's missed a lot of time when he's been yeah. healthy; he's been good, right? And no, he wouldn't because it's clearly been Luca. The Mavericks are, you know, kind of middle of the pack. Kyrie hasn't played enough like that. Makes enough sense for me. OG was solid, 
when he was with Toronto, but even if he was with Toronto now, he wouldn't be an all star. Pascal, mm-hmm. Pascal, Pascal, I don't know what I just said. Pascal, <laughs> anyway, Pascal Siakam has been solid as well. Not all star, he's been solid, but not an all star. Maybe he's picked in a reserve if, if it's that deep. I have to like look through my rankings again. I probably will, like, I'm not, I'm not against it per se, but like off the top of the head, no, it's only Scotty Barnes that makes it. Mm. Um, you know, and, and that's it for me. I think, like you said, it, it makes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. While Scotty Barnes clearly elevated his game, you know, average career highs in a number of, of categories for him, been the clear leader of this team. Um, and also like Pascal has been a great supporting piece, but he's not been at that level. OJ and was not at that level. And also the wolves, I mean, not the wolves, the Raptors are where they are. I'm sorry. You're not picking, you know, um, three all-stars. This isn't the 2015 little Hawks. Yeah. Right? And even when they had the, the 2016, Hold on. it was a whole team and they were deserving for the month of January. I, I want to say it was either January or February. No. Uh, oh, yeah, they was, all won player of the month, right? Yeah. It was that Jeff was, T, was, Kyle was, Corver, Damari Carroll, Paul Millsap, <laughs> and Al Horford. They all deserved it, never, and I won't I hear anything else about it. That. Okay. I, like teach, coaches honestly, like collude to vote for that. How did that I even tell happen? you? They <laughs> did it. team basketball. Like they must have felt like this was <laughs> a way to stick it to the people. And then like you see, it doesn't matter about individual talent because you can have a great team and look. And then individual talent just what they anyway. But um, wow. no, moving, moving. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You I won just, a lot of games, I, Corbin. It was a lot of fun. The highlight factory was a great time back then i will say jeff teague having like the best personality of that group and we didn't find out about that until we we did a podcast many many years later was one of the more baffling things uh to me is like i just never knew jeff teague was like the most boring point guard um we've had in my lifetime and i just he was just solid and george didn't say much yeah just weird but no but yes exactly and yeah in january 2015 the entire starting five Mm. um but anyway, it's going right back. I mean, this Toronto Raptors team is, is not that team anyway. Um, this Toronto Raptors team is currently 11th in the Eastern Conference. I'm yeah. sorry, you do not get three All-Stars. I don't care how weak the East is in that scenario. So that's that's just my thoughts. Um, is OG an uh, All-Star for you? No. Why would, he, why would OG be? I mean, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully, but like OG's put up solid numbers. He has been having a breakout career season. Yeah. You know, OG is averaging what? 15 points per game, shooting 37% from three, four rebounds, three assists. Mm. And I hate to just go off the counting stats. When you watch the game, he doesn't match the eye stats at All-Star. You the yeah. eye test at All-Star. Look at the numbers. He's a very valuable role player, and that's great for him. Um, he wasn't worth three first-round picks last season. He's not worth an All-Star bid this season. 
What say you, Jackson? Is it two? Do you put Pascal in the All-Star game? Is he playing at an All-Star level? Is there something we're missing with Pascal Siakam that you see? So with the Raptors, when you first asked me this question on the show sheet outline, I was like, multiple All-Stars for the Raptors. Um, But I think you make a valid point because Siakam, over the past six weeks or so, I think he's really trending up. He's a really unique player. Everybody makes mm-hmm. the spin move jokes as he's, as <laughs> if he's like a repetitive driver. And he does like mm-hmm. the spin move. But to me, he's a really cerebral player, sizing up, getting into that 10 to 14 foot space. And he has soft touch in that area. He's not a long two artist like a Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Brandon Ingram, etc. But on those touch shots in the lane, he's really tough. He's good at turnaround jump shots, and while he doesn't live at the free throw line, he gives you some of that. He's a good spray passer for his position, solid enough defensively. I don't think he's going to make the all-star team, especially because it seems like guys involved in trade rumors and the possibility of switching teams and just kind of the the league's view of that. It seems like they very rarely make the all-star team, but like I said, he's an all-star caliber player. He has every right to himself in that regard and i won't degrade anyone who thinks that he's an all-star i will say og ananubi is not an all-star he is a really good player he's going to make a ton of money the trade to the knicks has set them up very well for the next move they make and i think that they're kind of like a stealth sleeping giant in new york with that said i think the raptors did relatively good getting a guy like quickly who they can hopefully retool and refocus this timeline core roster build around Scotty Barnes and whomever they attain over the next couple of years. Is Scotty, are we all convinced Scotty's a multi time all-star? Can he be like, does he seem like best player on a contender five years from now, or do we still need to wait and see as to what his final form is? Could be. I'm going to speak quickly. I, I'm i going to wait and see just because he exploded so quickly. I mean, he had a really good rookie year, took a major step back from a sophomore perspective, and then all of a sudden, boom, right? Mm. Uh, let me see one more year of this, and I'll feel a lot better about it. But as of right now, I'm 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 wait and see. And it's not a bad wait and see. It's just like, okay, everything, we had a real quick high and a really deep low, and now we're back on a high. Let's see the next year. I want to see some stability there. Like, would you be surprised, Jackson, if he two years from now is regarded as the best player in the East? I would be stunned if that happened, but I do think that he'll be a multi-time all-star. And I think that he's a worthwhile building block. And I'm glad that the Raptors, I want them to get more perimeter talent and better guards. They had a lot of good players. And even with guys like Chris Boucher, who are big men, Mm. uh, Yak Pirtle, those are good players. But you just look at their roster, and they don't have the requisite pull-up shooting. When they had FVV, he's a really good – I mean this in a complimentary sense. Despite him being a good passer, he's a pretty good pick-and-roll player. He's not the type of guy who you can funnel an offense through. And with Siakam um, kind of being a holdover from a previous area, era, excuse me, Scotty Barnes coming into his own as a player, it just didn't mesh to the extent that I think the brass there and the suits that they wanted. And I think that they view this as a good time to make a trade with OG, possibly trade Siakam. We'll see what they do with guys, with guys like Garrett Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. Ah, 
stumbling. Sorry about that. Darius but... Jr. is never getting traded. That man's going to be a Raptor forever. That, yeah, <laughs> that's never happened. I was surprised. I was a little surprised he was retained by them. I think that was this offseason, mm. but maybe that was last summer. Uh, anyways, they're a team to watch. I don't think that they're at a point now where they're going to ascend over the next year. But I think that they're at the point where they can kind of build their vision and get in the next era of basketball. I think that they did some fan service with the last core with Lowry. It's really difficult to break up a winning team, a beloved player. I think they squeezed everything they could out of that group. Obviously, they had the bubble run, which was really, really impressive, all things considered, the year after Kawhi. But sometimes you just have to look in the mirror, accept the state you're in, and then move on from that. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about squeezing every little last bit, Nick Nurse in those minutes over the last two years in Toronto, you're playing 46 minutes a night, bucko. Like, this is, uh, we're playing six guys, and that's how things are going to go. Um it's unbelievable that uh, did not end well uh, for Nick Nurse in Toronto based on these last couple of years. Um, but he's having a good time in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is really good. And Joel Embiid is playing at another, just another level uh, over the last month. Uh, Corbin, Corbin's Corner uh, that we do each and every week on this show. NBA thought that fascinated you this week that you're still thinking about right now? Honestly, it's the Timberwolves. Hmm. I'm seriously not just because Jackson's here. But no I'm way. I, that's what I said, too. I didn't tell oh, you. We didn't well, communicate yeah, nothing. We didn't talk at all. Like, literally, I didn't know Jackson was on until Chase uh, messaged in. And I was like, oh, that's what's up. Jackson, great. But seriously, <laughs> that's kind of funny, man. Look at that. But I, I just want to make sense of this team. I mean, they went and just – I thought they were going to have a tough game against the Magic today. With the Magic being this young, scrappy team, they had no issues. Um, and this Wolves team, like I, I they, they, they're gonna have issues moving for like next season. I'm definitely looking at how financially they keep this team together. Uh, who's gonna be a point guard next year for them? Um, is it gonna be Mike Conley? Like, all that stuff is stuff you know down the line that's still in my mind because it is this upcoming off season. But like right now, look at where they sit. I'm trying to make sense of it. Their defense has been solid. They still have like offensive like just disaster. It feels like late in crunch time. And it's concerning. But at the same time, when they get all together and Ant looks like he does, like, they look good. They look good. I'm I'm trying to make sense of where they are because they definitely – are they the number one team in the West? No, that's Denver, right? Are they, like, the top three? I would say so. But, like, what does that mean? Is that a Western Conference Finals berth? Is that a tough second-round exit? Like, what does that look like? They're, they're my thought. Um, There's a great article by John Krasinski I read on The Athletic about – uh, the Wolves' late game execution and what's going right, what's not going right, all of that. So that'd be a piece I would recommend. But like the Wolves as an entity themselves, especially coming off this win against Orlando in dominating fashion, it's a team that I am so curious about. Jackson, are you a believer or is there, which I see every time I watch the Timberwolves, is like there's a lot of Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert stuff here where they're going to gobble up a bunch of regular season wins. But I just... I can't bet on this team in this group and what they're going to do late in crunch time um, against the big dogs come playoff time against a team who I think is going to like we talked about the Suns is like the worst nightmare for them of crunch time back and forth between those two. I just I might lean Kevin Durant, Devin Booker and Bradley Peel uh, in some close games uh, at that point. But what say you, sir? So going into the season, I was relatively high on the Timberwolves. And that's come to fruition. But they've hovered around that 15, 16, 17, 18 range offensively for much of the past two seasons. 
And last year I understood it because you were implementing the double bigs, cat gets hurt, you make a deadline trade for Conley and you got to shuffle parts around. But for the talent that's on this team, it's a little bit underwhelming um, how subpar they are offensively at times. And to me, it comes down to the turnovers. They're such a turnover-prone team. I think that for all the strides Edwards has made, one area where he's, I don't want to say coming up short because he's ascending and reviving this franchise, but as a driver, I think the defenders are able to strip him a bit, get their hands on the ball. And at times, I think he's becoming a better kickout passer, uh, kind, kind of use him as his own worst enemy. Um, I don't want to say as a decision maker because that's such an umbrella statement, but I think that that, as well as, again, despite Towns being one of the best shooting bigs ever and Gobert being a really good player in the dunker spot, obviously he can score on rim rolls. There's just not quite that level of comfort there with Towns to previously. It was pretty much spaced out for him. He could drive whenever he wanted. He could shoot a three-pointer whenever he wanted. He could post up more. So now he's kind of occupying the same areas on the court. And then lastly, uh, this is something I've been monitoring all year is Kyle Anderson in international ball. He suffered an eye injury. And while he was never a, a great shooter, he shot 41% on two or three attempts per 36 minutes last year. This season, he's pretty much stopped shooting threes and he's shooting 12% on threes. And he does so much beyond the shot. He's such a good passer, really good chemistry with Rudy. I think he's one of the better kind of 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", defenders that typically guards threes and fours. I love him as a player. Um, I don't want to call the trade with Memphis a heist, but he's been awesome for the Timberwolves. But I think that having Towns, Rudy, and Nas Reed, I don't want to say that he's kind of falling out of, like falling out of the rotation or anything like that, but sometimes I watch the Timberwolves and the two players that kind of stick out to me that aren't a concrete fit are Kyle Anderson and Shake Milton. Mm. And those are guys who I think would be valuable individually on uh, the trade market in the next month. Both guys have yeah, I value. I think a lot of teams could use them. I was actually thinking uh, if Philly is unable to land mm. a premier perimeter player, they could trade for Shake Milton again. I don't know how he'd feel. I think that he wanted to leave Philadelphia just to kind of spread his wings a bit, but there's been a kind of a rotating musical chairs thing at backup point guard with the Chris Finch teams where he liked D'Lo for a bit playoff series versus Memphis. It kind of, kind of ran its course a bit. And then he played J Mac at the backup spot. Now he's got Conley who he has full faith in and he's almost, they're playing Conley every single game. Like he's 36 years old and not load managing, not resting back to backs. And, uh, that's great because he's important to the team, but it's like you can't play Mike Conley every minute of every game. And so, yeah, that's two areas of weakness. But I believe in the Timberwolves. I really hope they get a good draw in the first round because I'm pretty confident that they'll win a round. But there's just a couple doomsday situations. It would leave such a bitter taste in my mouth and fans' mouth if they won 57 games and face the Suns, and if they just got set on fire by KD, Booker, Beal. I mean, not to just think of hypotheticals, but as a Timberwolves fan, these are the kind of agonizing <laughs> um, futures that I look at. Did they win a series with Jimmy? 
No, they no, lost. They did not. Four one to Houston. So when was the last playoff series win for many? They only Sacramento. have two in franchise history. Two thousand four. Yeah, Denver yeah. and Sacramento. Second round, Sacramento. Oh, goodness. Shout out to my guy. Yeah. Well, he is behind <laughs> me. I have a signed picture of him in the Timberwolves jersey. Oh, awesome. Yeah. There you go. I'm I was always more of a Terrell Brandon guy. Oh, I love. He I was really no good before money. the injuries. He's before my time, but yeah, they got a couple of his games on YouTube. I was. That was a fun era of guards. There you go, Terrell Brandon. Were you? I mean, were you? I have a reversible jersey of him in my closet. That's crazy. (laughs) Wait, you have which one? I have a reversible Terrell Brandon. Which color are we doing? The black with the green trees. Blue. No, the blue. Okay. The the blue and the black. It's the black. Yeah. Alternate one. It's that two thousand one because it was also before my time. But I looked back. I mean, Jackson knows we're hoop sicko. So I went back and watched, and I got it for like twenty bucks on eBay. And I was like, dope. I was awesome. it one time, but it's still kind of cool. Yeah. No, that's Brandon, awesome Ricky Davis, it. Wally Zerbiak. Oh, a lot of, get out of, yeah, lot of dudes. The There's some fun guys out there. Yeah, Sam Cassell. Um, well, final thing here as we wrap up tonight on uh, this very show. Uh, one final question for you here. League pass team that I want to do each and every week on this show right now, because there's just a lot of teams. And uh, I think all three of us spend a lot of time on NBA league pass and uh, watch a lot of different teams and like to keep up with where things are headed. And um, if you were talking to the casual fan watching this right now, who may or may not have watched much of the Utah jazz can't blame them based on how the jazz have played this year, but Jackson, why and why not would you recommend uh, a fan spend time with what you've seen from the jazz this year on league pass for a little bit sell the utah jazz for the nba here well i'm biased with how i'm going to answer this but i've always been a fan of colin sexton and this has been a weird season for the utah jazz kind of guard rotation because jordan clarkson has largely been their best guard over the past couple years him or conley most highest usage guard i should say um they added Sexton in the trade last year. They draft Keontae George. They have Taylor Horton Tucker, who he's an interesting player. He's so strong, and I think he's able to drive so well, but his finishing numbers don't quite match the kind of image I have for him in my mind. And they're playing all these guys, and then all of a sudden, Chris Dunn's a rotation player. He's a really good defender. Uh, I think he's kind of like a – I don't want to say unassertive or unaggressive, but he's kind of a – a move the chains, kind of run the offense, point guard, like not old school in the like set the post up, enter the ball, run your offense that way. But I think he's more of a traditional point guard in the sense of he's going to be on the court, he's going to bring the ball up from time to time, and he's going to guard like hell. But with the Utah Jazz, they are such a unique team because there's different front court combinations they use with Olenek, Markkanen, Kessler, John Collins, and they have so many intriguing guards and so many good big men and then Simone I cannot pronounce his last name so I'm not going to attempt to as I've been watching them this season he's had some incredible shooting display games and he's starting games for them playing legit minutes and they're a team they do a lot of like especially if they uh, run in transition off a missed shot they do a lot of like flare screening stuff um, They push tempo pretty good, and then they want to get it to shooters in the corner or have Kessler rim run. Lots of flare screens. Watch for that. But 
He's had some huge shooting games, 39% from three. And I don't know. The thing I like about the Jazz and to a certain extent teams like the Bulls, I like when teams are on the brink of disaster, not franchise-wise, but just their season, and then they kind of find themselves. I think that that's Mm. fun to watch as a fan. If you remember uh, Donovan Mitchell's rookie season, 2017-2018, they were horrible to start the season. Gobert got hurt. They traded for Ricky Rubio. That was right after Gordon Hayward left and then got hurt. And they were kind of, they didn't have an identity to be cliche. Then Donovan Mitchell takes the reins and they go on an insane run, make the playoffs a few times. And now we're here, but this team, I think everybody views them as a farm system for the rest of the league. But to me, it's like, why not keep Mark Cannon? I don't know if they can do the uh, rework and extend that some teams can if they trade for him. Again, not a CBA expert, but this is a team that a lot of these guys, there's no rush to trade. If they're playing well and you're getting developmental reps for Keontae George, he's playing a ton. I'm not going to say that he's been an amazing NBA player, but as a driver, he has a certain kind of polish and poise to him. Like he's got a quick twitch game, but I think eventually we'll see him as a guy who I wouldn't say unorthodox finishes, but if he's a guy who became like a wrong, wrong foot layup type guy, floaters finishing through contact and um, i had to double check his size uh before the show and he's 6'4 185 hmm. and i think that just my view of basketball that's a really intriguing thing if you can fill out that body a lot of the premier scoring guards that get 18 20 22 points a game uh you know they're 6'3 6'4 6'5 and 185 195 and he's not an all-world athlete, but he's – I wouldn't say that. I'll, let me refrain from that because I haven't composed my whole opinion of him. I don't want to speak to that, but I think he's really promising, and I'm not going to say whether he's a star or a bust or anything, but he's a guy I'm keeping my eye on because I didn't expect him to play that much this season, in all honesty, because they have good guards on the roster with Clark, Clarkson, Sexton, THT, and – THT was playing a ton earlier in the season. He got a DMPCD last night. Yeah, I've been reading Jazz Twitter a bit, and it seems Mm. that they're not too fond of him. And I know that some of the on-off stuff is bad, but like I said with THT, he's kind of a a theoretical player for me. Like, There's a lot Mm. of intriguing things about his game. His contract is manageable too. And just that driving style where it's all shoulders and elbows, I'm like, if that could ever click, there would be something there, but Yeah, definitely a team that I need to watch more and more, especially because they have a lot of these premier matchups with Denver, OKC, Minnesota, even Portland to an extent, who's also having a weird season with Aiton being hurt for a lot of the year, multiple bodies in and out of the lineup. And I I truly think I truly think every team for the most part is worth watching. For the most part, there are some that I I don't even know who would be the least watchable right now i don't know corbin do you have an answer there who's the least watchable in the league right now because it's not the pistons pistons are fun to watch um i don't know who the least watchable team is right now oh you're on mute corbin lovely i was gonna say i do it once a show it hasn't (laughs) happened here uh the pistons have had some good games i mean i would put them just because brooklyn brooklyn oh 
I was going to say Detroit, but they meant some phones. Brooklyn, when their offense stalls, it stalls. It's so rough to watch. Like even Charlotte, yeah. I cover Charlotte, and Charlotte is eight and twenty-six, and they yeah. had many a fun game come down to the wire. They just ended up yeah. losing. But Brooklyn, man, when they are off, they are off. Mm. Um, and they're getting fined. Or, 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 yeah, exactly. Like that is a team I would say. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think. Not a whole lot. I think the I think the personally Brooklyn's a pretty right. good pick. I think right now. I'm not a big fan of watching the Hornets because um well Lamelo Ball's Williams not there until the Ball's back, back. Ball makes the Hornets a lot of fun. Really? I've watched a lot of Hornets since Lamelo Ball's been going going off the, like, yeah. like this season. He's been so no, and, good. and the thing with the thing with the Hornets is they are so reliant and they basically run so much offense through Miles Bridges and I don't know maybe I'm just perceived and colored from the off off court stuff but i'm like man this they they're not even going to retain him long term this team is totally makeshift roster wise lamello ball keeps hurting his ankles and it just sucks all around because honestly one of the most kind of untalked about under discussed stories of the season i think is brandon miller i think he's coming mm. and he's been a pretty good player he's a really good or I should say promising mid-range shooter, promising three-point shot. The driving game for a player that size, as well as some of the passing capabilities he has, uh, they use him on like those loop action, Iverson cuts. I think that he's going to be a really unique player that's going to play well with a player like LaMelo Ball. I think that their skill sets are going to contrast well. I like it. Um, well, that's all I've got tonight, fellas. Uh, Corbin, what can the good folks check out from you over at Round Ball Ramble, Swish Theory, and everywhere else this week, sir? Appreciate it. Round Ball Ramble. We're going to drop on tomorrow. Just the daily episode. Gotta have Jackson on. We gotta talk. We gotta get back on. Thank you, Chase, for bringing us back together. It's been fun. Um, I, uh, th- look, this show is all about bringing smart people together, and I'm glad that Jackson, uh, was able to make it, and he makes us better. He makes us exactly. think more, Corbin. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this was a lot I, of fun, guys. For sure. No, it really is. And I'm very grateful for this. And obviously, you know, like I said, good people talking ball. But um, find me at Corbin NBA um, on roster reconstruction for Switch Theory. Um, we just had, I just had Charlie Cummings and Josh Earl. We did a deep dive on the Golden State Warrior. So that's out um, on roster reconstruction. And then I did contribute. I think it comes out next. I think it comes out this next week. But Switch Theory, we have a composite like big board kind of coming out of thing of the lottery. And so I contributed a little bit there. I did like Rob Dillingham and um, Kyle Filipowski. Um, but that's a piece that actually wrote some words. So that'll be good. But yeah, that's where you can find me at Corbin NBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. There you go. What about you, Jackson? What at medium and everywhere else can the good folks look out for you uh, from you this week? I would just say, follow me on Twitter, Jackson Lloyd at Jackson Lloyd NBA. I do a little bit of writing, a little bit of video, just whatever I have time for. But I'm it's kind of a drawback of following me is I'm constantly tweeting just like random thoughts about basketball, uh, mostly, mostly, mostly basketball. So follow me there. Always love talking basketball. If you shoot me a message or uh, mention me, I'll get back to you. And yeah, there you go. Jackson, keep up the great work. Corbin, keep up the great work. Great talking to you guys, as always. And uh, Corbin, I'll talk to you next week. And Jackson wants to have you on again soon. Thanks, guys.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.